Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and on each episode of this podcast, I'll be having inspiring conversations with passionate product people. Speaking of product people, today's World Product Day, so I hope you're all having a good one and remembering to hydrate between webinars. If you liked today's episode, I'd appreciate it if you could share it with your product friends and all come over to onenightinproduct.com. Check out some of my other interviews with product authors, thought leaders and practitioners, sign up to the mailing list, subscribe on your favourite podcast app, and make sure you never miss another episode again. On tonight's episode, we find out what it's like working at Walmart. No, not at the checkout, but as a product leader for their global tech organisation. We hear some stories about moving from engineering to product management, and our guests using our passion for public speaking and teaching to give back to the community. We also find out what it's like to get your dream job only to have the rug pulled out from under your feet by acquisition, and check in on how the local Women in Product chapter is supporting, well, women in product during the pandemic. For all this and much more, please join us on One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Rekha Venkatakrishnan. Rekha is a technologist, product evangelist and product leader who started out as an engineer in India before heading out to Silicon Valley to see what all the fuss was about. Rekha is a mentor and passionate advocate for women in tech, data and product, working tirelessly to advance women's opportunities in the workplace. Currently working as a senior manager in group product management for Walmart Global Tech. Hi Rekha, how are you tonight? Hey, good Jason. How are you? I am absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. So first things first, uh, we've all heard of Walmart, but I've not heard of Walmart Global Tech before. So what are Walmart Global Tech and what problem does it solve? Yeah, Walmart Global Tech. This is probably something new that people have been hearing. And I'm like, hey, is this part of Walmart organization, right? (laughs) So yes, Walmart Global Tech, in a very layman terms, it's the technology group, which is kind of empowering Walmart. So the tech teams under the Walmart is what we call as Walmart Global Tech. So it's as simple as that. What kind of problems are we solving? I, obviously, the tech comprises of different functions like engineering, product, UX, design, research. And we are all in this journey to make sure that we are building that nice experience, great products for our customers to save money and live better. So is that kind of like a centralized function that feeds all of the other parts of the company? Or is it more of like a federation of teams that kind of exist autonomously and just have this banner across the top of them? It's a centralized group. I know everybody who is in the tech, irrespective of the geography they are on. So everybody is part of global tech. So how do we work as one team, one global team and empower our customers? I think that's where we are heading to. Okay. And you've mentioned uh, geography there. So is it a pretty distributed team as well then? Oh, yes. Yes. So I'm sure a lot of time when people say Walmart, I think Bentonville, Arkansas is what comes up because that's where it's headquartered. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I think we have found our fingerprints obviously in Silicon Valley. We have an office in Jersey. We have an offshore team, which is in India. And we also have teams like uh, no, different countries, like UK, Mexico, Canada. So wherever you have the footprints of Walmart, you will find you know, different tech teams. Excellent. Sounds really interesting. But you're a senior manager in group product management for Walmart Global Tech. So What does that mean and what do you do for Walmart? Certainly. Uh, So I am actually currently supporting our international business. So think of the customers who are coming shopping online outside of US. So I've had an opportunity to work for markets like Mexico and, and right now as I speak for the UK market. So we are primarily building the products that are powering those experiences again. And this is specific to our e-commerce business. So 
totally dot-com business is what I'm actually supporting. So yeah, I have a team of PMs and data analysts, and we are in this journey to build you know, specific products. And I manage like supply chain, payments, and fraud. Like these are some of the domains currently under my chopper. So we are responsible from product strategy all the way to go to market for these products. But you've said, obviously, that you've got a bunch of product managers working for you. So so how does the product organization work there? Is it pretty distributed again itself? Or is it like all under one head? Or like how, how do the teams interact with each other? So it's interesting. Uh, no, uh, we do not have like a global product team. We have product teams by market. So for an international group, we have like a separate product team. And for the teams in US, they fall under a different product leadership group. And obviously, like we all roll up, like irrespective of what international market you belong to, like we roll up under one single leader. Uh, so that's how kind of team is structured. But it's also, I would say that, no, we are geographically distributed. So you will see like I have peers in India, I have peers in different markets. But no, how do we operate as one team towards you no know, common outcomes? Yeah, that's always a challenge. And certainly for my past, I've had experiences where I've been, for example, situated in the UK, where I am now, working with a team in India, but also working with a team in Minneapolis. So sort of a very distributed team, not just geographically, but obviously by extension in time as well. And you're kind of stuck in the middle. So you get up in the morning, the Indian team are there to you know tell you how things are going. But then they either have to work late or you, know, you have to work early or they probably have to work late anyway because they then need to talk to the US team. It's just, it's obviously always a challenge. And I think for me, one of the good things about, you know, one of the few good things about the lockdown and having to stay at home is it, it starts to help bed in that idea of asynchronous working and not having to be present all the time or, or it should. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But when I think of a big established long-running firm like Walmart, I mean, it's been around for a while and companies that have been around for a while don't always strike as potentially being that agile, that lean, maybe being very traditional in their working practices. Is that something that is completely wrong in the case of Walmart, in the case of your group? Or is that like a journey that you're on or or are you already kind of there? So I would say uh, we are on that journey. Interestingly, you know, I've been associated with the company for 10 plus years now. I still remember long back when I joined the company, uh, one of my uncle said that, oh, do you work for stores? What do you do? Like, is there even a technology? Like, <laughs> you are an engineer and you're getting into Walmart, right? So there was this notion. But interestingly, I would say that, yes, I know that we are in that journey where we are transforming ourselves into more product-driven. We are bringing in those best practices. We are trying to enable our teams, our peers to think, you know, how do you bring in that right product mindset, right? As, as you'd look through solving some of the problems. So I would definitely say that we are in that journey and definitely from where we were to where we are, I know it's a great, great improvement. Oh, excellent. It's always good to see the direction of travel moving in the right direction, so to speak, and that you're always making strides. So that sounds really good. But you just touched on it yourself just then. You've, you've been at Walmart in one way or another for quite a while but you did have one little blip where you seem to have gone to work for oracle for a short while so i believe it was something like six years as a product manager for walmart e-commerce and then what a few months at oracle and then straight back to walmart again so i have to ask was it that walmart was such an attractive place that you just couldn't 
escape from and you had to go back because it was in your bones? Or was Oracle just kind of bad? So let me uh, answer this for you. It's an interesting question, right? So, And you could be diplomatic, by the way, if you want. No, no. I, I can tell you what exactly happened out there, right? So <laughs> when, when I was probably with Walmart, it was heavily B2C product management. And as someone who is you know, very career-driven, I think I always wanted to expand my portfolio and have a taste of B2B. So when that opportunity knocked my door, great, right? Like it's had all the jargons like cloud competing with Salesforce, Amazon, <laughs> like so cool, like, right. So I land there uh, no, I, because it was truly a different challenge for me. And the goal there was like, no, how do you enable CRM products for retail industry you know, using their cloud? So the idea is like, no, you're competing with Salesforce CRM. So I think that's, that was the vision out there. Interestingly, four months into the job, um, upward trending, you know, great, you now looking to building strategy. And then then there came an acquisition that Oracle did. And with that acquisition, you know, my role changed. I would say like the purpose for which I was hired was no longer relevant. And I'm in this journey where I'm trying to figure out like, you no, know, hey, is this the right place where I'm learning and I'm creating that impact? I think as a product person, I always look for opportunities where I'm adding value and where I can create impacts, right? And for me, it was not going anywhere. And then it happened that you no know, one of my old managers kind of knocked the door back and said like, no, hey, you no, know, we have some of the things brewing up. Do you want to assess it? Come back, right? And that's how my second stint with Walmart happened. Interestingly, my first stint with Walmart, I focused a lot on our US business. And in my second stint, it was all in the international space. So for me, it was a new flavor. And I was like, hey, I need to constantly learn. I need to keep building products. I cannot pass. Maybe it's just me, an outlier, but <laughs> that's how I kind of looked at it. And I tried, I would say, Jason, I tried, but it wasn't truly working out for me. And so I had to pivot back and no, uh, take this opportunity. And then since then, my journey is on. No, it's good. And it's obviously great you had that opportunity as well to you know, go back pretty much straight away. And also, I assume that you went back to at least some people that you already knew, like your manager, you say, but like, was it like sort of slipping back into a, a warm glove type uh, affair? Or did you have to meet lots of new people and kind of learn new things when you got there? I think a lot of new people, I would say it was a different group than what I worked. Yes, I had known faces. But I think for me, what was exciting was you know, meeting new people and new challenges. And I something that I enjoy doing is talking to people and meeting new people, learning from them. And uh, you know, this truly presented that back to me. So it was like super exciting for me. Like, you know, hey, I'm, I'm again back to this place, but for a different challenge. I wish I could have tried that in my first stint, which I did not do. <laughs> well, it's never too late. But speaking of challenges, obviously before that and before you started working for Walmart at all, you were working as an engineer back in India. I had a few jobs over there in different technical roles. What was it that, I mean, apart from the obvious, you know, Silicon Valley is the home of tech and stuff like that, what gave you the momentum to actually up sticks and go to the other side of the world and try to create a new life in Silicon Valley? Was it just that it was a tech, the home of tech or what, what drove you there? Sure, sure. So I moved to US, I would say like 14 years ago. And when I moved, I was an engineer. I was not even in the product. And when you think about, you no, know, uh, as an engineer, you are more focused on, you know, how four in the box and 
I think even engineering happened to me by accident. Like I didn't want to be an engineer. It was my parents' <laughs> typical, like, no, hey, doctor or engineer. Now, if you talk to a lot of Indian people, that's how it kind of comes along. And for me, uh, you know, when I landed on obviously in US, uh, it was like you know, an interesting thing because I got an opportunity to go work with the real clients. When you are in this offshore onshore modeling, a lot of times you are visualizing things, you know, how you're building. Truly, I never cared for what and why. I think that's how at least I was. Because engineering, as I said, happened to me by like not my own interest. I'm like, okay, I got a job. I'm just working, right? And then when I landed here and I started consulting with a lot of these companies out here, it kind of gave me a new perspective. Like, no, I started seeing that there's so many problems out there, right? And started understanding the customer. So I developed that customer empathy, you know, the obsession towards customer. I became very curious. Like, oh, hey, why is this even happening? Oh, what can we do? And not just how. And that kind of led me to think like, no, what next for me? And no, I had that breakthrough in the product. But truly, like, no, the, the interest that I carved out and I never expected that I land in product management. And not just Silicon Valley, like, I think when I landed first in US, I, I lived in Chicago. And, and I moved, I lived in Dallas, Columbus. Jersey, so traveled a lot, you uh, know, and uh, I would say that you know never thought about moving to West Coast because super expensive, and I wasn't sure that this is the place I want to be. Obviously, had friends out here and who always tell me cool stuffs happening in Silicon Valley. <laughs> oh, nice! So it's good that you've had that diverse set of experiences over there and, and got to pick your final resting place, so to speak. But obviously, you you kind of touched on it there yourself just then is you you didn't have a plan to go into product management to start with and you found your way in following your interests and getting interested in the customers and the stakeholders and and so forth was it easy for you to get into product management mindset wise was it something that you took to fairly naturally and it was a natural extension of your personality and skill set or did you have to use quite a lot of resources to get to that level so I think I still remember when I was trying to venture into product management. You now uh, I had someone tell me that, "No, hey, are you sure you want to go into this because <laughs> you are upward trending and then you will drop, right?" So there is always this dip in your career. Yeah. And I'm like, "No, I want to kind of have a taste of it." And definitely, it was not an easy thing for me, Jason. I had to unlearn and learn things, right? As an engineer, uh, for example, you always have a tendency to get into design and solutioning and things. Yep. And I still remember uh, my first problem solving that happened. I think I was more leaning towards solutioning. I was very eager that hey, I know this, right? So I'm solutionizing this versus more on like, no, why even this problem is happening? So I did have like a mentor who kind of you know, uh, was like my shadow. So definitely having a mentor helped me kind of shape to how to become a better at product management, right? How do you kind of learn those soft skills and hard skills? It wasn't an easy ride. Like I think my first problem solving that I did was a technical product. It was not like a functional business product in B2C. It was a technical product. And I think it was intentional because someone coming from an engineering background, I think I was able to kind of uh, correlate things and kind of drive value. But I think what was going on in my mind was, you now how do I pivot from more being a technical product to more being like a growth product or a functional product, right? Where you now I'm looking at broader customer problems, I'm looking through data, I'm running research. So lots going in my mind. 
So I would say having a mentor did help me in this journey. My mentor was a product guy, has been coaching a lot of people. So having that, you know, um, mentor did kind of help. And I would also tell you that, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me this, you know, hey, do you kind of you know have to do MBA to become product manager, or or <laughs> is it like you no? Know, do you have to do this courses and trainings? I'll be honest here. I didn't do any courses or training. I thought the best way you learn product is hands on, and you fail. I mean, no, it's okay. I think people were cautioning me that you no, know, but I'm like I'm open to fail. I'm curious to do this. I want to be, make my hands dirty and try this out. And then figure out like, oh, hey, yes, no, this is what I'm looking for. I want to do. So I think I wasn't afraid to try out. uh, But I think I would say having right mentor support, being more curious about why you are doing that. No, I had to probably hone some of my skills in this journey. But I did not do any hands-on training or anything to say that, no, hey, by doing this, I became a product manager. Yeah, and obviously there's lots of not really impassioned debate in kind of a negative versus positive sense, but there is kind of an ongoing low-level debate around the merits of certifications versus, you know, just learning on the job or reading a book or all that stuff. And certainly I've seen lots of stuff around whether MBAs are any good or not. And I think the, the jury still seems to be out on that to some extent. But I guess it's interesting though, because you say obviously, of course, that you didn't do any of that yourself but you then did start teaching or presenting or delivering materials for product school how did that come about and what made you go into that direction have you always been a natural teacher or was that something that was another thing that you wanted to try so i think uh during my school days and even my undergrad days i used to do a lot of uh, teaching sessions and these are like for young kids even now, I like to go teach computer for my sons, like kindergartners. I do that out of passion. So if I was not an engineer, I think something I wanted to be was a teacher, right? And a uh, lot of time when I even do like presentations and work at my colleagues say, oh, you sound like a teacher, like someone coming and presenting this. I take it as a compliment. <laughs> but I would say that product school was an interesting journey for me. I, I didn't know that there is something like product school, to be honest with you. I was talking to one of my friends and she was like, no, hey, if you're so passionate about this, why don't you kind of come give a talk at product school? And I'm like, what is product school? (laughs) And that's how I kind of Googled and learned about it. And I'm like, okay, why don't I share my journey? No, I know how I got into product management. Obviously, uh, I've done talks around like, no, how do you use data to do your product decisioning, etc.? But I think my first talk was around like, no, how I got into this journey. And it was interesting. Um, I was in the Santa Clara building and so many ambitious product managers, people who are trying to get into product management or people who are in their early year, uh, career path to get into product management. And there were even engineers out there who were like very curious about, no, hey, what's product management is about, right? So I think for me, it was like natural and I started enjoying it. I think as someone uh, who loves teaching, uh, as someone who loves doing a lot of talking and I, I'm constantly working on that, but I would say that I enjoyed doing it and that's how product school happened. I think, and I can also tell you this, product school was the first, my public speaking in Bay Area. I think as I started speaking, it kind of gave me interest, like, no, I should do a lot more for the product community. How do I become community leader, et cetera? 
but i think i owe all that credit like no it's a great place to start and no i would always owe that back to product school uh, so you didn't get the certification but they ended up teaching you just the same yes yes but that's interesting as well though regarding the public speaking because obviously that's not a skill that everyone has and certainly something that i continually struggle with you know being happy with the way that i deliver stuff and look and appear when i talk is that something that you were always good at or did you like just naturally or did you have to do any kind of like toastmasters international type stuff or did you how did you get good at that so i'm not part of any toastmasters though i'm trying to get into the to, to improve my speaking skills <laughs> i think again uh, for me it was natural i would say i'm someone like who's very enthusiastic about going and talking in front of people obviously there are fears to it that i had to overcome like especially when you go in the larger setting etc a lot of it probably from childhood days jason i would say right uh, i used to go do a lot of these speeches competitions and as i started seeing myself that no hey someone who can articulate or do that storytelling so that kind of paved the path for it i would still say that i'm still learning still improving my skills i find you uh, know i do like mocking up with my friends my peers to say hey how am i doing do you think i'm picking the right tone and everything but toastmaster is something i want to kind of try even like within different groups that i'm part of like you no know, there are like small toastmaster groups etc but something on my to do list haven't had a chance yet to kind of try that out well there's still time yes but speaking also about being more of a mentor and as you say speaking for communities and, and helping to bring people up you also do a lot of work with women in product what do you or what are you currently doing in certainly in covid times as well as initiatives to help support the ongoing growth of women in in tech and as you say in data and in product are there any initiatives like key initiatives going on at the moment that you could speak to one of the things we constantly look so i'm part of the tri valley chapter so tri valley is another chapter within san francisco so me i have two other co-leads and uh, no, we three are in this mission i think we were there was never a chapter like 2 years ago there was not any chapter here and as you see the number of companies are growing in a lot of people trying to venture into product management we saw that there is a need for us to start the chapter and that's how we started the chapter and once we started the chapter obviously something that we have been trying to achieve at least once a quarter or once every 6 months is how do we bring in people together obviously post pandemic we are trying to see how we can do like remote sessions and some of the sessions are more around like you no know, workshops around like helping review the resumes i think that's one of the thing right like how do we crowdsource opportunities for people right we did i still remember the last pre pandemic that we did was a talk in around b2c versus b2b product management so we got in like some key leaders in the trivial area who are leading b2b portfolio and b2c and no kind of getting their thoughts and we are also partnering with some of the companies in trivialy areas uh, no so that they can also promote them and no we kind of no help the women find opportunities especially i've seen like a lot of women uh, who kind of take break in their career path and are trying to make come back and we have seen this is working for them so definitely you know a lot of initiatives around it i think what next is exciting for me is like we have our conference that's coming up in may and as part of it obviously we will be doing a lot of networking sessions uh, you know we will be hosting some of the sessions where you know, the goal here is like you know how do we enable more women to kind of join that bandwagon 
know, and not drop the ball, right? I think we start the career and there is a point where we always see a dip. So how do you get more women into leadership, right? How do you get more women into product? I think that's the journey we three of us are on. And I think conference is coming up. So we are all totally looking forward to it. Yeah, it'd be good to get back into a room and start drinking that terrible coffee again, right? Yes. Uh, Yeah, no, I think it's really important to have that community. But how do you think the current landscape looks like for women in products, certainly as far as you see it, where you are and in the companies that you're seeing? Is it something that's improving? I mean, it's obviously never been great, but is it moving in the right direction or do you think it's staying the same or do you think it's getting worse? I would say that it's improving from where it was. Product management in itself has become quite competitive. I think if you were to interview for jobs a couple of years ago and where the market is today, yes, there is probably a lot of demand out there. When I talk to people, not just women, but even male, like I've heard people telling me that, hey, I want to get into product, right? I want to get into product, right? But specifically on the women part, I think a lot of companies have now created like no women groups within their companies. And I think, you know, people are working towards like, you know, how do you drive more women into that product? And obviously there are groups for engineering and data, but I think in general, I have seen that every company is making that effort towards, you know, bringing more women to workforce. And every com- company is also kind of taking that step. You know, how do you enable them? So obviously, you know, there is probably a lot of marketing out there. But you know, we have like forums like Women in Product. I know there is you know, Advancing Women in Product. There are a lot of different groups who are actually you know, marching towards that goal. So it's great to see. Definitely, I would see, at least the time I was trying to break through into this, I didn't have this. So I'm glad that we have such communities today you know, where you know, people have, can come voice out. People can come and have that open channel to talk to some product leaders and assess like, no, hey, do I want to get into product and those things? I I missed those, like the time I was trying to break through in terms of. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, were there any points that really stick out in your career, certainly after you moved into product, that you felt that being a woman in product has been a real disadvantage or that you've been disadvantaged by the situations that you were in? Yeah, I think for me, what comes to my mind is probably not a situation per se, but I think I'm working on this where, you know, how do I voice out my thoughts better, right? I think a lot of time we are trying in this journey, like not to build products, etc. But I think, you know, how do you find those right forums to voice out, right? Like, uh, and how do you find uh, opportunities to kind of voice out? I think that's very important. And a lot of it is probably I think it's it's a mindset also, I would say, Jason, right? I think as a woman, we have those syndromes and probably hold ourselves. I think I have done that. So, I mean, at least speaking from my experience, I have this tendency to hold back because it's like, no, what others will think about me, right? And I'm like, break that, yeah, yeah. break that and no, just, just open it up, right? Like you may have a point of view, you have a, because I'm in this journey where at some point I want to start my own venture. and. If I want to get there, I think I have to break such uh, things. So I would say that you know, there have been situations where I've tried to hold myself back, thinking what others would think about right? Like you may have an idea to spin off and then you are like, okay, ah, there is already out there. Maybe this will work. Like, so why do you hold out? It's okay. I mean, people will say, yeah, this exists, right? So I think that's something I would say as a woman, um, no, I have found it difficult. 
Yeah, that's obviously a really common theme that comes up when you read the literature around this, the fact that many things that, for example, men would be applauded for are things that women get judged negatively for, like speaking up or like being aggressive in meetings and stuff like that. And hopefully, given some of the books and some of the materials that are coming out under diversity and inclusion initiatives, that hopefully becomes something that changes, although obviously it's really difficult to change people's inbuilt biases, I guess. So I won't hold my breath on that one. (laughs) But would you have any advice for a product manager or an aspiring product manager who wants to get into the game these days? I mean, be it a a woman in product or a potential woman in product, for example, what would be one really solid piece of advice you'd want to give that person to kickstart their career? Be open to fail. I think everybody, including myself, when I was venturing into this, the idea was like, no, hey, Ilan, you are successful and it's all gloomy. It won't be like that. I, I'll tell you that it needs its own hard work, your effort and everything. Yeah, you can do things to do it, but I would say be open to fail. And that will make you teach a lot of things. I think you will learn a lot from those failures. But if you are holding yourself just towards success, you may want to kind of rethink through that. But one advice that I have worked for myself is not coming with that no open to fail. I think that mindset should be there. What's an example of a time, an example that you'd be prepared to share of a time where you've failed in your career and, and learned something from that? Yeah, I think this was probably a time 10, 11 years ago. And I was working for a customer in US. And I still remember that as someone like working, coming from India with a lot of hierarchical structures and everything. I think even knowing there were times that we should not do things. Now, I just said yes, because someone above me said that, oh, hey, we have to do this, right? So I think that was kind of a lesson learned for me. And I'm like, no, knowing that this is going to impact someone, I should have voiced out earlier, right? So I think there were like definitely such instances back then As I said, I've been working towards that skill where I'm like opening up and speaking up. But I think that also has kind of worked not well for me in the past, where I could have said, no, hey, this is not the right thing to do. But I just said yes, because no, someone above me said, no, no, we have to do this because you're getting paid for it. And I'm like, do things because you care for it, not because someone is asking you to do so do you think that makes you less likely to just agree with people now? Yes. That, is that yes. something that that's... Yeah. Yes, I think I've become probably very opinionated now. Uh, I disagree. <laughs> I amicably disagree with people, uh, right? So I think I'm learning that skill, Jason. Not something easy, I would say. And I'm, I'm trying to practice that even in my personal life. Like, how do I disagree with my husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's absolutely delighted. Oh, Yes. You were speaking also in passing around your potential venture that you might want to start at some point in the future. Is that something that's top secret or is it something you already have some ideas around or are you still thinking about it? I'm still thinking I have. I could tell you these are more around like kids, no helping build stuff for kids. Uh, More in the pipeline, I have a couple of ideas trying to kind of vet them out, but definitely these are for the kids who are like disabled kids and stuff. Like I've had friends and families with disabled kids. And I thought that there is an opportunity out there to build things using technology and help such kids, especially uh, back in India. Like, no, I know that there are a lot of communities 
they're, they're a disabled child and it's hard like they don't get the right support so if i could do something and you know, with all that i've learned i think that would be an area for me to venture into and that's something i've been constantly working down the details thinking you know more to come but that's an area that i'm trying to get into yeah that's fantastic it's always really good to have an idea that maybe gives something back as well i mean obviously yeah we all hope to have jobs that at least don't take away but to actually have something that that gives is something that I aspire to do as well in due course. Hopefully that will come to fruition at some point. But you also said that you are potentially thinking of writing a book. Now, I don't know if you're actually already writing a book or if that, again, is just another idea. But have you any ideas what that book might be about? Oh, I'd still on the product management. I've started writing. Uh-huh. I'm in the works to kind of you know, get a publisher and all of that. But I think I'm just in the journey. So it's it's on product management again. And I know I started it, but it's taking some time with full-time job and everything going on, but hoping to get that out soon there too. Have you always been a natural writer or is this something that you've had to really work at to build those writing muscles? I have to build those writing muscles, especially, (laughs) and I'll tell you why, the choice of words and the language that you, especially as someone who comes from India, I, I still remember the time I moved here, it was so hard for me to understand the accent make sure people accept me and all of that. So I think I want to make sure when I publish my book, I know everybody can understand it. So I think this is my first time flexing that muscle. It's unlike speaking, which probably I was doing and I'm improving, but this is the first time like now where I'm writing a book. So it's exciting, but at the same time, there is a fear like how this is going to turn. I have every confidence and looking forward (laughs) to that popping onto the Amazon wish list at some point. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, where can people find you if they want to have a chat with you after this about product management or anything to do with women in product or your journey in general? So they can reach out to me through LinkedIn. I think that's the best way to get. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So an easy way. LinkedIn also has my email ID. So I know usually I've seen people reaching out to me through on my email. So you know, people can certainly get hold of me. Excellent. I'll make sure to link that appropriately into the show notes. So that's been a really interesting journey through uh, through your life and your experiences in product management. Obviously, wish you all the best for the coming year and hope that book comes out soon. Hopefully, we can stay in touch. But uh, as for now, thanks very much for taking the time. Oh, absolutely, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. Dano, thank you for the last 30 minutes and Dano, totally appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode interesting and insightful. If you did, again, I'd love it if you could share with your friends, head to the website, sign up, subscribe, and check out some of my other great episodes with some of my other great guests. Sharing is caring after all. I'll be back soon with another inspiring guest, but as for now, thank you and good night. Good night.